So, welcome to yet another version of the episode of the Urulabs podcast. Uh, this is episode three, where we talk about the future of urban sustainability. Uh, we will check out hot topics, trending news in the areas of urban transport, waste, energy, water, and more importantly, the new digital economy and its implications for urban living. So, we did one last week about the Altmo platform. So, you would have heard about that. But we'll talk about the bus today. because we covered the bus fest campaign in our cfam newsletter so if you haven't seen the cfam news- newsletter do check that out at cfam.substack.com it comes out every week thursday friday ish we do a lot of non motorized and bus and a little bit of uh, walking cycling and uh, many other topics are covered in that we try to gather as many information as possible but the bus fest campaign was interesting uh, it was organized by urban works institute headed by uh, Shreya Gadepalli, who's with us today. Uh, welcome, Shreya. Fantastic to be on this. Uh, Satya, thanks for inviting me. Yeah, thanks for being on a very fledgling podcast. I think there are only three people who have subscribed. So hopefully after you come on board, there will be more people listening to the bus. I haven't been sharing it out very wide anyway. But Shreya has been working in the sustainable transportation space for more than a couple of decades. And a lot of knowledge around the bus because... Uh, Uh, I think definitely a couple of decades, right, Shreya? Yeah, about two and a half decades, but I would, I'm learning every single day. <laughs> I think you start, I read somewhere, I don't remember this, but I think you started out by building a bicycle or something like that. Is that true? A tricycle. Uh, or oh, tricycle. Called a cycle rickshaw. Uh, so I started my professional life back in the late 90s mm. uh, with the redesign of Uh, the Hamdul cycle rickshaw, which is quite common in North Indian cities, not so much mm-hmm. in South India. Um, and even in the North, it was losing patronage, despite being a quote-unquote sustainable vehicle. But truth be told, as in people don't really care about sustainability. They care more about other things like comfort um, and how uh, and quality of life. And so the goal here was: can we transform the cycle rickshaw into a more sexy form of transport i don't know whether that's a word that your audience is like or not but the goal yeah. was can we make cycle rickshaws nicer more attractive um, for passengers such that they attract new patronage uh, and also in the process make the cycle rickshaws easier for the driver to ride uh, the cycle rickshaw uh, often called pullers because they literally they literally mm-hmm. have to get off the cycle rickshaw and pull and we wanted to make a cycle rickshaw which was easy to uh, ride for the cycle rickshaw driver as well and what came out of that project uh, starting in 1998 were multiple editions of new designs which eventually were kind of standardized and we trained small scale industries in cities across north india and today there are over half a million of these cycle rickshaws modern cycle rickshaws which are operating in in delhi agra matra jaipur multiple cities across the northern belt uh, providing clean transportation but also comfortable transportation to citizens and this obviously sort of changed the track of cycle rickshaws where they were going down in terms of patronage usage they went up in a significant way and if you see in delhi uh, many metro stations this is mm. the last mile connectivity for a lot of people right right but that's very interesting that uh, a design change can lead to so much of uh, difference in adoption mm-hmm. uh, 
So, of course, there weren't any electric stuff then, and mm-hmm. I guess you just worked on the seating or something. What made it more yeah, attractive? Yeah, and so you know the 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 seating was the biggest difference for passengers. The seats were lower than traditional cycle rickshaws; they were wider, more comfortable. So it was easier to get into the rickshaw, sit in the cycle rickshaw. There was space underneath the seat for it to uh, you know accommodate luggage if you are especially going to say the railway station or a bus station or wherever it is, or coming from shopping. um and uh, the the whole rickshaw itself was uh, at least a third lighter than the older rickshaws which meant mm. that it was easier for the driver to pull the frame was tubular which meant that there was less flex uh and hence less energy required to just overcome the flex of the mm-hmm. uh vehicle so in 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 it was a win win situation and uh, the most interesting thing here was that the re- these new rickshaws cost the same as the old rickshaws but cost costed just about a 10% of the old rickshaws in terms of maintenance mm-hmm. and that's because it was little there were little more parts or uh, the old rickshaw had more parts it was typically just nailed together using wood and not very good quality wood uh, and therefore there was a lot of repair that was required uh, very frequently while these newer rickshaws had fewer parts um, the frame was more robust and therefore it required less uh, repair very interesting how did how did you move to the bus then how long have you um, been working on the bus yeah and so this is like a standard joke in my family that you know i keep progressing from one vehicle to the other so i went up from <laughs> <laughs> uh, just bigger. to the to the bus yeah just bigger it's a bigger bus right as in cyclist yes. is a form of public transport if you will um yeah. informal public transport um and bus was the next form of public transport that i moved into and this was a time when uh, you know very interesting things were happening in latin america bogota had just launched transmilenio uh, bus right. rapid transit uh, many right. cities in the world were kind of looking at it and uh, you know the goal that we had and uh, of of this international network that we had was can we have a bus rapid transit system in every continent and mm. i was sort of this evangelist for bus rapid transit starting in around 2002 2003 uh going around doing road shows for why indian cities should have bus rapid transit i remember we did um for over a dozen such uh, workshops in cities across india like in delhi uh, jaipur hyderabad ahmedabad uh, chandigarh like a whole bunch of cities that we went to and showed what was possible and interestingly a few cities uh, sort of caught on uh, even the ministry of housing and urban affairs which was called back then as ministry of urban development mm-hmm. a key officer there uh, one mr op agarwal got very interested mm-hmm. and there was a big national program that started out of it through the national urban renewal mission for bus rapid transit and 11 cities were taken on uh, for piloting bus rapid transit uh, and i worked quite closely with quite a few of them uh, starting with Ahmedabad but also Surat Rajkot Indore Pune uh, Pimpri uh, to sort of guide them on what uh, best what a best practice in bus rapid transit could be where did that go really you see now the new kid on the block is the metro mm-hmm. what mm-hmm. do you think has happened and is there a shift are they still interested did that did that just go Uh, what is the state uh, what how is the bus being treated in india really now um unfortunately we've missed the bus <laughs> um, <laughs> right, figuratively and literally 
well mm. even though buses take imminent sense and uh, it was great that at least under the national urban renewal mission there was a big push for buses and bus rapid transit both of them uh, mm. so first bus rapid transit actually uh, starting in around 2006 but uh, around 2009 onwards there was also a big push for uh, having new fleet come into indian cities through a bus program uh, under mm. the ministry of housing and urban affairs back then called MOUD or Ministry of MOUD. Urban Development. Uh, and that was, I think, a fantastic start. Uh, we had over 20,000 new buses come into Indian cities. Uh, this was like a big uh, impetus for improvements in buses. Obviously, not everything was rosy. Like some cities did better than others. Uh, you know, there are many Indian cities where you just don't have buses, uh, surprisingly. Like, you know, you have yeah. cities which are million-sized uh, and they have no buses. Uh, you know, sometimes even two million-sized cities have no buses. Or... sometimes informal services with mini buses and such but you know that's the truth uh, in indian cities uh, you would be surprised that uh, you know the total number of formal urban buses that are operated in india is just marginally more than those operated in the city of beijing Seriously? all over india yes my god so, the total city buses all over india which is delhi Mumbai, Kolkata, Chennai, Bangalore, Hyderabad, all these cities, like and more, where there are right together, have just a little more, which is about thirty-five thousand buses, and Beijing has close to thirty thousand buses in operation. So it's bizarre that we have so few buses in India, uh, and why, a lot more needs to be done. Yeah, but why is it pitted against? something else why can't it be you have trains but you have buses right you have absolutely so, absolutely right so brts is one thing it's on a fixed line and you mm-hmm. have a determined mm-hmm. route but the bus i tend to think would definitely have far more reach right i mean you always say there's a last mile there's a last mile i'm sure the bus last mile is a lot better than a train last mile for anyone right absolutely. why do cities treat it like this why do cities treat the bus is it infra dig is it looked at like uh, what is it um so multiple things here as in first of all you, you're absolutely right uh there are very few cities in the world which have actually more passengers on train than buses uh mm-hmm. if you take london like you know, london had the first underground in the world has one of the largest networks over 400 kilometers in the core and if you look at the extended uh, uh london greater london then it's over 1000 kilometers yet the buses which are there in london have more passengers daily than what the rail does now i'm not trying to pit bus versus rail but the fact of the matter is buses play a very critical role in cities transportation longer trips often times are more convenient on a rail but mm-hmm. medium to short distance trips are much more convenient when it comes to a bus plus bus also acts as a very good complement to a metro rail so you know the whole idea that a bus is just a feeder to a rail i think is misplaced buses mm. are a standalone transport mode and we should be seeing them as a complement rather than as being just a uh, an extension to metro where metro is primary if you will right why is that? because everybody i seem to say that i need a i need a bus service to this metro most of the bus request seem to be i need a bus request i need a bus route to the metro that is nearby mm. it doesn't seem to be in the people's mind the bus is looked upon like a last mile and i don't think that is efficient of a bus to do last mile i'm sure the epkms will be sorry the earnings will be lesser if they do last mile right 
That's right. I mean, I think you know there there's a role for last mile and a role as a standalone service. Uh, so if you look at Mumbai, which uh, I think amongst Indian cities has actually had good integration between bus and rail. So not the metro, as in metro is mm-hmm. the new kid on the block, right. but Mumbai has had uh, a very well-functioning local train service. Um, and the BST buses and the local trains actually have quite good integration. You have very easy access as soon as you get out of the rail station, you can actually get into a bus. It's one of the first things that you actually see to get into. And a lot of people actually use this as a complementary uh, service, if you will. Now, unfortunately, the same thing has not happened in other cities and certainly not with the metro, not even Mumbai metro for that matter. Uh, somehow metro is seen as being something separate. And even if buses are to be run, oftentimes metro thinks about running its own feeder service. And I don't quite understand why that's the case, because many cities, especially the larger cities like Bangalore, Delhi, Chennai, all these have fairly well-established bus services, which have been there for a very long time. And there's no reason why the two of them should not be seen as being part of one whole, rather than as two separate systems where one is, um, you know, subservient to the other, if you will, or, you know, Mm. as doing a... Uh, a part role under something else, right? And that's the imagination that we have. Yet, it, it it would surprise many of your listeners that in a city like Chennai, which has built its first phase and is building now a second phase of metro, but the first phase of metro, which was which is about 45 kilometers, uh, was built at significant expense, close to about 25,000 crores, uh, has been serving only about 1 lakh passengers, 100,000 passengers a day. Mm. As against the bus services, which at least pre-COVID were doing close to 4 million tra- trips. 4, 4, 4 million, right? It's 40 mm. lakh trips mm. every day. So, and yet the bus is seen as being lower. As in, it's almost as if it's like the Indian caste system. where yeah. uh, Buses are <laughs> the lowest of the caste <laughs> and metro is right on the top. Right. I know what you're saying. I do the things on cycling and I know how exactly it feels. But yeah. that's... What is so okay? What is uh, preventing people from one is the attitudinal thing, right? Is that they view the bus as okay, we have arrived, there is this fancy mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. metro, it is flashy, it takes me, it goes faster. Okay. Uh, <clears throat> what's the uh, do, you, do you think if let me ask it this way, do you think more people will take it if the bus just went free? If you made the bus free, would that be a reasonable thing to do? I, I think that's a, that's a very good question to ask, and probably yes. And even if you were to look at part examples of that, for example, Delhi went with free buses for women. And that's an excellent example of how it was an investment into social change. And more mm. women were now able to take buses. It made them you know, able to reach uh, education, reach opportunities much more easily because bus was no longer the obstacle for them to get wherever they needed to go. And mm. I think we should consider something like that as we don't, we shouldn't be thinking about public transport as profit making, but instead as something that is doing a social service, as, as a social transformation program, if you will, not a social service, right? Yeah. But really a social transformation program. Um, and I think, yes, but also think about this. I think buses have an image problem. Uh, and that is hurting buses. Uh, metro, on the other hand, has a, a very sexy image. Everybody mm. wants to have a metro. 
irrespective yeah. whether they want to use it or not i know right it's even the show. folks Look, this fancy thing is here <laughs> this fancy thing is here right as in you know my city has a metro even though i may never use that metro uh, you know so the, even the car folks are very proud of a metro but no car person is ever proud of buses in the city or very few if you will mm-hmm. is proud of buses in the city so we need to change that image of buses as well how will how will making it free actually solve that problem you look at the car person he's anyway probably a large percentage of them are not going to get mm-hmm. into the train yeah. into the bus yeah. they prefer the train yeah. but yes I, i understand that fact but if you come back to saying mm, <coughs> making it free let yeah. me give a counter argument you know the fiscal yeah. conservatives mm-hmm. will come and mm-hmm. say mm-hmm. okay what does a bus cost like 1 crore and throw mm-hmm. let's take a 10 year span of a bus what mm-hmm. would the total cost of maintenance and fuel and everything be if you assume a diesel bus maybe 2 1 half crores you think Yeah and so maybe, the cost of the maybe. bus actually is the is only a part of the full story right as in uh, the cost of the bus uh, over the lifetime is only about half yes but so your numbers are right about the overall cost is about 2 and a half crores there about yeah let's say 2 and a half crores per bus and let's say That's a city right. now we have around 8000 buses in bengaluru That's for right. example and let's say we need 14 15000 mm-hmm. you had to add let's say 50% more bus that's 2 mm-hmm. uh, and a half times 4 mm-hmm. that's around 6 mm-hmm. thousand crores you think yeah so we are talking okay 10000 buses would be 25000 crores right That's and right. half of that would be 15000 crores you add another half to that so that is the amount you spend over a lifetime of 10 years on a bus mm-hmm. most people mm-hmm. would say is that something that is probably 3 months of gst collections for a state like karnataka right Absolutely. it's not even it's not yeah. even that much yeah. it's not really expensive yeah. to buy these buses and run them free but the danger would be would would that get people to treat it for granted would the service quality start getting lower what is the state capacity to keep the service quality as a service and i don't know how many of the cities you think have done that it seems to me that everybody has to pay so sure. so let's look at it this way uh, you know what is it that uh, a car user or a two wheeler user is paying a car or two wheeler user pays for the vehicle Mm-hmm. and for its operating costs like fuel mm-hmm. but pretty much doesn't pay anything in terms of uh, the road infrastructure that they're using mm-hmm. the amount of road space that they consume now immediately somebody who does own a vehicle would say i paid road tax but ask mm-hmm. yourself how much that road tax is yeah, um, and it's pittance right and then you're you're paying somewhere in the range of about 30 to 60000 rupees for Mm. like depending on the city where you are for an uh, a stand an average uh, like a commonly used vehicle type if you will which covers nothing in terms of the cost of uh, the road space that these vehicles are consuming and the parking space that they're consuming right i think that's mm. even mm. more important to note if you were to uh, i actually you know oftentimes give this example there isn't enough space on our streets for all the vehicles which are coming on the road to be parked so you obviously need this parking to happen off street which means it needs to happen in multi level car parking in you know, a parking structure now there's absolutely no reason why this parking structure uh, should be free but let's look mm-hmm. at the cost now mm-hmm. in each of these parking structures you need something of the order of about 3 300 square feet mm-hmm. of rental space right for putting a car now mm-hmm. this actually cost something of the order of about 20000 rupees a month correct right it's 40 50 rupees or something yeah 
No, I'm just saying actual cost of operating, actual running such yeah, a okay. facility, right? You know, just the rental cost mm-hmm. of 300 square feet in city core of Bangalore mm-hmm. or many of the other cities is going to be about 20,000 rupees. You know, you'd get mm-hmm. nothing less, uh, nothing for less than 20,000 rupees, right? Per car, 20,000 per car, mm-hmm. per parking spot. Excellent. Mm-hmm. Right? Which means that the road tax that a car is paying would be consumed in somewhere between one and a half to three months. Mm. not 15 years one and a half to three months is already consumed so where are cars paying for the space that they're using right if cars are not and and then now look at a comparison between buses and cars uh you know there's ample evidence to show that a bus passenger uses just one tenth of the road space of car passenger so which means that buses or cars should be paying 10 times more for that road space than what buses are doing or in effect, the government can easily run bus services for free if it were to start charging for the road price appropriately exactly. for cars. Right. right. And this doesn't even include all the other externalities that you're talking about, the amount no, of pollution. No, no nothing, about, cost, not even, nothing yeah. about pollution, nothing. It's just pure right. real estate cost, right? Absolutely. Quantifiable cost itself pays multiple times over is what you're saying. Exactly. Exactly. So, but again, do you think the... Okay, let's say for... So let's for, separate for, it out, right? And so whether okay. it's free or not is a different question. But the point is that buses uh, deserve a lot more in terms of road space, in terms mm. of the finances that come in because of the service that they're doing or the transformative power that buses have in terms of people's lives, right? Do keep in mind that even in a city like Bangalore, only about a tenth of people are actually riding cars. 90% are not. And mm. therefore, we need to be thinking about the 90% mobility and not just 10% mobility. But does making the bus free sound like a radical idea? The economics seems to be working out. It's just yes, that right. the attitude of this is free seems to just create a mental block in people's mind that how can anything be free? If you give it free, they're just going to abuse it. Nobody is going to value the this <laughs> thing. There's going to be no fiscal responsibilities of recovering anything. I mean, look at the cost now, right? If the, we were talking about uh, yesterday, somebody said, for free. So I don't I know. So, you know, by the same argument, I think, you know, if, if, if we are concerned about making buses free, then I think we should first charge parking. Yeah. Right? Start parking. That's right. For it's cars and parking. motor vehicles. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And charge them, yeah, charge them as per the real estate uh, cost. Yeah. I think some, some cities have tried to make some parking policies, but it's a mm-hmm. mental roadblock in the political space is that, mm-hmm. no, we are an emerging economy. Yes, I understand we need to have this. But hey, you know what? The flashy train. Yes. Hey, look at that. You know, the flashy just like train, rabbit, the flyover. You know? and, and now right? every single metro that is coming up in cities it's not just a metro line. It's a metro line with an elevated road built in. Right? That oh comes like a combo pra- package. Like, look at cities like, no, I'm serious about it. Like, you know, go to Jaipur, go to Nagpur. All these cities have metros with a separate tier for cars. We have it in Bangalore, the JP Nagar line. Yes. You said, you said it right. It's like McDonald's combo package. You go there, you get the fr- fries and uh, Coke free with that. <laughs> Right, it's just the combo yeah. uh, package itself. Yeah. But again, like I was just thinking about the amount of headache in trying to ask these people to open the data, get conductors not being there, not able mm-hmm. to collect revenues, leakage, then putting technology in place. This is not scanning, that is not working. Then cross, 
a lot of that expense is going to go away right just take the bus run the bus exactly. come back home park it exactly exactly right that cost also gets saved there's so much kitchkitch around this one i mean i don't know um is i think it depends on how the people want to look at the bus so yeah. that brings me to this whole attitude actually thing I, you know i'd like to propose something else here as in oh, tell me rather than buses being free how about having yeah. deeply discounted passes which are available for yeah. everyone and depending mm. upon your economic position maybe they become free but mm. what you have principally is that every citizen essentially gets a pass and let that pass be no more than 1000 rupees a month maybe 500 rupees a month you know there's right. still a certain value that people have because they're paying this 500 rupees but also look at human behavior you know once you've paid that money now you feel uh you know you feel the need to maximize the usage of whatever you're usage paid for this, yes. right mm-hmm. it's like a buffet mm-hmm. buffet lunch or a buffet dinner right. and therefore since you've paid for it now you're going to ride buses more if you will it's like the jawan's paradox right exactly yeah. the more efficient and, and you make it the more you want to be pushing for more bus passes and i think some work is happening in some cities but passes are extremely expensive for what they can actually be in reality i do realize that the uh, european countries have better public transport services bus train whatever it mm-hmm. is but they're quite expensive i think relatively i think uh, india is quite cheap right india is cheap but then also you need to look at the uh, purchasing power parity right and so you can't just mm-hmm. compare a london with an india um and even in a place like london uh, you know they you know they have a brilliant mechanism whereby if you've ridden more than 3 rides on a bus in a day you pay no more and because it's electronic ticketing basically you can take 10 rides but after you've done your third ride you basically are paying nothing more each day so mm. how about a system like that where at the at the lower end you're still make like you know getting people to pay but if they're using it more they're incentivized to actually use it more Hmm. What what do you think of getting the private operators involved? I know there are models in which the private operators can come in and operate it, but do you think they will do a better job? Do you think some of these guys can? I don't know what's going on with. I I live in you know in Bangalore. I I look at BMTC and say, what is this whole uh, lethargy around your services? Why mm-hmm. are you so lackadaisical? There are so many people mm-hmm. who can today uh, benefit from. There's a huge civil society. You guys are doing the campaigns and a lot of us talk about the bus we're talking about the bus mm-hmm. and the organization has not stepped up to the plate for the last 10 years that i can think of that's right what do you think is happening there and how do you get people out of this lethargy um i think that's a brilliant question and does uh, is there a role for private sector i think absolutely yes and there are multiple models in which the private sector can come but as in there are certain models which are better than other models if you will mm-hmm. in my opinion right typically uh, what government institutions have done in the past is what is called a net cost model or essentially mm-hmm. a licensing model so the government doesn't treat it as a service to citizens but instead treats it as the sale of a certain asset that the government owns in this case mm-hmm. the route is the asset much like mm-hmm. how say there is the sale of spectrum to Correct. cell phone providers right so there is this intangible thing called spectrum and uh, the government sells the spectrum to operators like airtel jio etc etc and then then they maximize whatever they can get out of that spectrum sale the goal of the government here is to maximize its own revenue not mm. necessarily maximizing public's benefit Welfare. from it right? okay 
Now, in certain cases, maybe it works. Like, you know, in these, when, when you have very large operators, like cell phone operators, you can't, like, you know, not anybody and everybody can come into that operation. You need a certain size to operate. But when it comes to buses, when you're trying to do this, what happens is that only services where there is demand and at times when there are demand, that's when the private sector will run the services. Mm. Right? The private sector here is there to maximize its profit. And that's its right. that's its business, right? And then the private sector is not there to do social service. Uh, and therefore, what happens is that there are certain rules in the city which are in the core, which every private operator wants to get a hand like hand into. Uh, and there are certain other routes which may not have as much demand. They actually don't want to get, go there. And hmm. um, so what happens effectively is that only a certain part of the city and a certain portion of the city, which is peak hours when there is high demand, that's what gets serviced. But off peak hours, when oftentimes women want to make trips, uh, you know, uh, those who might be doing informal sector work might be making trips those don't get serviced or areas where the demand is not very high, doesn't get serviced. Then what happens is then you have share autos and such, which sort of operate in that space. But again, they're there and there for, for a business, right? They're not there for necessarily benefiting people. And if the cost of that service is more than the cost of operating a motorcycle or a scooter, for most people... They'll just go for a motorcycle, right? Especially yeah. men. They'll just go because that, that seems like an obvious answer, right? So right. in my opinion, the fare of the bus should be half or less of the marginal operating cost of a motorcycle. Not even mm. equal to. Because there has mm. to be a certain benefit, like you know, a clear magnet that attracts people from a fare perspective, if you will. Now, this mm. isn't to say that you need, like there also has to be quality. Now, if you want both quality and a low fare, the only way that can be done is when the government steps in, especially the state government steps in, uh, to make sure that such a service exists. And so there needs to be a mechanism where there's a viability gap fund that is put on the table for a private sector to operate these services. And one of the better models, in my opinion, which does this is what is called the gross cost model or where mm. the government is taking the service of a private sector operator. So the private sector operator has no operating risk. They mm. are providing their bus, they are providing their driver and they're getting paid per kilometer to operate their bus right. on a certain route that is planned by the government. And so here the government takes the onus of ensuring that there are services at all times of the day in all parts of the city they're frequent, et cetera, et cetera, which means that they are ensuring that people have mobility rather than saying, I will just get earn money out of selling a license. Right. It makes a lot of sense. The revenue downside for the operator is not there. And hence, you can have service level agreements with him and say, hey, you have to carry so and, many people. And, and the quality, quality levels can quality be actually maintained, right? And this has been done in other cities like, you know, in, in Ahmedabad, starting with mm -hmm. Janmark and then subsequently even in regular city bus services. Uh, this has become the standard operating model. Uh, and the government of Gujarat actually has a very interesting scheme called the CM bus scheme, where mm -hmm. the government gives, uh, you know, presently one, uh, one quarter of the operating cost or half of the viability gap is given by the state government 
to cities Amazing. to operate buses wow that's good i don't and see I think we need to kind of... start putting such models in place right you know put also mm. the risk if you take the risk away from the private operator and if you also take the risk away from the city right the agency which is operating it might be the municipal corporation in certain cases like amdabad it might be bmdc mm. or in case of bangalore which is still a state operating entity but take the risk off but monitor the quality service quality levels right i don't know if they still have that capacity internally to monitor the service quality maybe they do so i don't think do. it's bmtc's job here so the, you need a separate entity and i think bmlta in bangalore's mm. case is an excellent agency which can be the monitor now so give mm. bmlta the money and bmlta monitors bmtc but also other private operators whether the service quality is maintained or not and then they get the viability gap fund for maintaining that quality right as an essentially they get paid per kilometer irrespective of whether it's bmtc or a private operator they just get paid per kilometer for maintaining certain operating quality so the route contract isn't given out by bmtc it is given out by bmlta parallelly to bmtc there is no route BMTC contract at all as in the the, the oh. contract is only for hiring uh, a bus with a driver and getting paid okay. per kilometer for the operator so what is Now, the role of the bmtc there Uh, the role of the bmtc is as one of the many operators in the city <laughs> they can be okay. private operators Excellent. public operators if you will but awesome. the, the alternative of course is that i think there's an extre- it's extremely important that the monitor needs mm. to be separate from the operator yep i agree you, you cannot be both the operator and monitoring yourself right and that's yep. we know obviously why it's wrong right? <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's, it's like steering saying, and drawing cannot be done by the same guy exactly it's like the lawyer and the judge is one of the same <laughs> you can't yeah So most of these services are now being um, consumed by the lower income group there is you talked about this attitudinal issues the quite a few the youngsters seem to be going away from this for some reason you know it's because the metro is i i i take all of these i have taken the bus i've taken the metro mm-hmm. but what's this new crop feeling about the bus where are you thinking the bus image is going to change is it in the governance is it in the people or where is it going to change and where do you think the maximum bank for the buck is literally so we don't miss the we, if even if you miss the bus we'll catch in the one how, how do you think we go into the the young people is there is that something right, that what is what i care about is whether they're getting to wherever they're getting in like on time in comfort right mm. so what we need are buses everywhere that mm. go wherever you want whenever you want reach on time and in comfort this is what people are looking for especially the young generation that we have right mm. the question to ask is if we can create a world class metro in a delhi bangalore hyderabad chennai whatever why can't we create a world class metro bus what what does it look like a, a metro bus essentially and so, i mean i think it essentially looks like having dedicated lanes having fantastic buses and i've seen some of these newer uh, e buses like switch which have come into bangalore but also yeah. other cities so imagine your entire fleet is air conditioned electric buses hmm. which are running just zooming past on dedicated corridors everywhere in the city getting in and out of the bus is like a metro right where there are no steps like you literally go from the platform to the bus all of hmm. it is possible it's just a marginal hmm. cost but at a fraction mm. of the cost of a metro you can create metro like experience in every indian city i think that's what we need we 
and that's what people aspire for. So presently, no one, like hmm. not the young, upwardly mobile young, or the poor, aspire for the bus. No one aspires for the bus, right? Hmm. The poor are using the bus because that's the only means that they have available. Hmm. And the upwardly mobile are looking for alternatives. Can we change that? Can we make buses desirable? How do you plan? How do you think you can do that? You you launch this bus fest or uh, whatever. What is yeah, that? Yeah, the bus fest, but I think essentially the bus for us uh, initiative right, bus, is essentially yeah. you know the the a step in that direction of changing the image of the bus, of where mm. you show that future of what is possible, and attract the attention of especially the young, to get them to then say, I love this, but it's not there. Give this to me because this is what right. I want. Hmm. So visualize and the service that you want to get into, and then mm-hmm. go and ask. Because I don't see the current crop of administrators even thinking about the bus at all. It, they seem to be even worse informed on this. Uh, but uh, of course, you're looking at faster corridors, which are definitely required. Uh, mm-hmm. But it also the flexibility of the bus is getting out of that corridor and getting exactly, into the exactly right. And it's, it's like a it's it's a win win situation. Where you need dedicated cor- where 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 you are stuck in traffic, you want dedicated corridors. But the bus is mm. not stuck like a metro on a track. It can get out right. wherever you want to provide that in. last mile connection, literally Amazing. to your doorstep. So it is both the trunk and the feeder. I think this is something that we have to visualize and to show people how that works because mm-hmm. I've seen it work. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's the tram line in Stockholm which I used to take, and the buses used to share the tram line. Mm-hmm. Because it's a road and it's mm-hmm. the so the shared and and then get off the tram line when you get somewhere else and then go inside. So you get corridors where it is. You can get off and go on a normal road. Mm-hmm. The flexibility is just amazing. It's just Amen. that probably, like you said, we need a more aspirational bus, right? Yeah. I mean, it's, we essentially fact, need it's, to like you know, merge two ideas here, which is the quality mm-hmm. and the reliability of a metro with the flexibility of a motorcycle. Hmm. And that's not to what the home, but close enough. Close enough, right? And then not exactly yeah. to your doorstep. And it's, then it's extremely yeah. important that we have excellent walking because that is the real last mile. And unless oh, we create so. fantastic walking facilities, I don't think public transport is going to take off. Neither metro hmm. nor buses. And walking, not necessarily just footpaths. It could also be shared streets and things like mm-hmm. that. Where All combinations, but essentially making safe, walking yeah. safe and fun. Right. right, right. This is amazing. This has just been uh, so insightful uh, in terms of how people think. I don't think people get to listen to this and understand. Maybe we should do one more session a little later and deep dive into visualizing the bus a little more mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. And, and kind of talk about a uh, little more of the model. I am just very disappointed with the lethargy of the authorities, the bus transport authorities, and I think one of the things you said I take away is, which is try and even out this field, get people to have passes based on their socioeconomic. Now it's possible with technology and UPA and mm-hmm. whatever else, right? You can you can understand who should be given what. And that's what it was supposed to do, the direct benefit transfer or whatever mm-hmm. it was. Mm-hmm. Give them those passes, mm-hmm. get some nice operating models and don't just get hung up on one agency Mm-hmm. and try and broad base that right mm-hmm. and you need a neutral that's the other thing you need a neutral body 
who is not vested in that to be able to make these decisions. You don't want BMTC to be making the decisions because then they're just another player and they're going to tweak it to what they want. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think the larger interest of people are at uh, stake. Mm-hmm. The, the urban mobility scenario has to be saved by the bus. Mm-hmm. And more and more the people start real. I think the fanciness might wear off. Don't you think of the metro after a while? You're like, yeah. It will. It's going to be and, older you know, after a while. There have been situations in other countries where a metro has become something like the local train, if you will. I know. I've heard of New York metro <laughs> subway jokes, which are literally like, uh, you know, uh, they don't treat it very well. Uh, but yeah. of course, that culture is more, they, they prefer the car. They would diss anything that is public transport. And yet New York, New York has singularly Hmm. more trips by public transport than the rest of the United States. Really? <laughs> Otherwise, that city would have been dead, right, by now? Exactly, right? Look at Tokyo. Look at Tokyo. 24 million, 36 million people in the greater metro area. And look at how they... Of course, they have a lot of trains. Yeah. Uh, but they do have buses. I think uh, somewhere... Uh, I hope... Let's come back and talk about this a little more. Uh, it's been extremely insightful, uh, Shreya. Thanks for spending the time today to help explain this thing. I hope more people can listen and understand. Let's deep dive into something else when you get a chance. And, My pleasure. Uh, come My back pleasure. to the bus. Okay. Take care. Excellent. Yeah, bye-bye. Uh,